Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 372 of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is sponsored by my new book, The Complete Compliance Handbook. It's available for pre-sale at my website, www.fcpacompliancereport.com. It is a single-volume best practice on how to design, create, and implement a best practices compliance program, literally from A to Z. It's based upon the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program. That information has been supplemented by the Department of Justice over the past year in the form of the evaluation of corporate compliance programs and the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. If you're interested in how to implement or upgrade your compliance program, this is the handbook for you. It is available for pre-sale now. It will be published by Compliance Week in April 2018. I hope you will check it out. Today I have a two-part episode, and it deals with the recently released Supreme Court decision in Digital Reality Trust versus Summers. In part one of this podcast, I'm going to take a deep dive and review the Supreme Court decision authored by Justice Ginsburg. In part two, Roy Snell President and CEO of the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics joins me for his thoughts on how this decision will negatively impact corporate compliance programs. I hope you enjoy this podcast. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. On Wednesday of this week, the Supreme Court issued its decision in Digital Reality Trust versus Summers. This was a case where a individual, Mr. Summers, had brought a claim against his former employer, Digital Reality Trust, alleging termination based upon a whistleblower claim to uh, the company internally. He brought suit under the Dodd-Frank Act. The company uh, claimed in response that he had no whistleblower protection uh, because he had not brought the claim to the Securities and Exchange Commission, but rather had reported internally. The district court sided with the plaintiff, Mr. Summers, at the Court of Appeals in a split decision. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals decided in favor of Mr. Summers as well. This split uh, some circuits that had previously decided this case, or rather uh, this set of facts. The Fifth Circuit in Asada had gone contrary and said that there was no uh, right for whistleblower protection under Dodd-Frank if the employee reported internally. The Second Circuit reached the contra decision in Berman versus Neil Ogilvy, Ogilvie, LLC, finding that an employee who whistleblew internally did have protection under Dodd-Frank. So this decision was ripe for, or this question rather, was ripe for decision by the Supreme Court. Justice Ginsburg wrote for a unanimous court in finding that Mr. Summers did not have whistleblower protection under the Dodd-Frank Act because he did not report to the Securities and Exchange Commission, but rather reported internally. This was based upon the uh, definition of whistleblower under Dodd-Frank, which is anyone who provides information relating to a violation of securities to the commission or, in other words, the Securities and Exchange Commission. The court noted that Dodd-Frank provides whistleblowers both incentives and protections. Uh, It creates an award program for whistleblowers who voluntarily provide information to the SEC that leads to successful enforcement actions. And the protections include 
an employee is prohibited from being discharged, harassed, or other, otherwise discriminated against because of whistleblowing in three situations, in providing information to the SEC, in initiating or testifying in any investigation that the commission has initiated, or in making disclosures that are required or protected under Sarbanes-Oxley. It was under this third prong that uh, Plaintiff Summers claimed there was protection because Sarbanes-Oxley requires internal reporting prior to uh, any uh, administrative remedy or protection for whistleblowing. So basically, he was trying to bootstrap on this prong three of the protections offered to a whistleblower into making an internal report be covered under Dodd-Frank. However, the Supreme Court held the core objective of Dodd-Frank's whistleblower protection was to motivate people to support, excuse me, to report securities law violations to the SEC. Sarbanes-Oxley sought to disrupt the corporate code of silence that discouraged employees from reporting fraudulent behavior, not only to the proper authorities, but also internally as well. The Supreme Court rejected three bases for holding contrary put forward by the Solicitor's General Office representing the Securities and Exchange Commission. The first was that the court's reading would vitiate the protections of whistleblowers who make disclosures to persons and entities other than the SEC. Here the court said the plain reading of the statute leaves the third clause that I mentioned with substantial meaning by protecting a whistleblower who reports misconduct to both the SEC and another entity, or in other words, internally. Second, that the court's reading would remove protections for auditors, attorneys, and other employees who are required to report internally uh, by such things as uh, state bar laws. Here, the court held that Congress may well have considered adequate the safeguards already afforded such employees under Sarbanes-Oxley. And finally, the Solicitor General and the SEC argued that uh, identical misconduct would go unpunished or not reported because of this dual reporting requirement. Basically, the court rejected all of these provisions and, excuse me, arguments by the Solicitor's General Office and held that the plain language of the statute limited protections to those who reported to the commission first. Indeed, the court noted it is Dodd-Frank's core objective that a whistleblower report promptly to the Securities and Exchange Commission, and in view of this precise aim, it is understandable that the statute's retaliation protections and its financial rewards would be reserved for employees who have done what Dodd-Frank sought to achieve, which is to place information about unlawful activity before the Commission to aid in its efforts to enforce the nation's security laws. As a contrast with Sarbanes-Oxley protection, here an employee qualifies for protection against retaliation or discrimination when he or she provides information or assistance to either a federal agency or a law enforcement agency or a Congress or any person with supervisory authority over the employee. To recover under Sarbanes-Oxley, an employee must exhaust administrative remedies by filing a complaint with the Secretary of Labor. Thereafter, there is a 180-day filing period of which the Department of Labor does not respond. An employee 
may seek review in federal court. An employee who prevails in a proceeding under Sarbanes-Oxley is entitled to all relief necessary to make the employee whole, including reinstatement, back pay with interest, special damages sustained as a result of the discrimination, and costs. So clearly we have two whistleblower protection schemes now in place. The first, under Sarbanes-Oxley, says that if you report internally or to the appropriate authorities, including the FBI and the Securities and Exchange Commission, you can receive whistleblower protection. You can also go to court and get double back pay and other damage remedies. What you cannot obtain under Sarbanes-Oxley is any bounty for recoveries made by the government. Those are only available under Sarbanes-Oxley, but to have those going forward, you must have reported to the Securities and Exchange Commission. So to sum up the court's opinion, a whistleblower is any person who provides information relating to a violation of U.S. securities laws to the Securities and Exchange Commission. The protections under Sarbanes-Oxley include prohibition against discharge, harassment, or otherwise being discriminated against because of your whistleblowing. Second, in initiating, testifying, or assisting in an investigation or action of the SEC. And third, in making disclosures that are required or protected under Sarbanes-Oxley, under Sarbanes-Oxley, the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, or any other rule, law, or regulation subject to the jurisdiction of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, after a short break, we'll hear from Roy Snell on some of his thoughts on the impact of this decision on corporate compliance programs, whistleblowers, and corporate governance. Now, I'd like to give you a few words about the great courses. If you are a lover of lifelong learning, as I am, one of the great treasures and finds that you can obtain are courses from the Great Courses series. These are university professors and other experts who are tops in their field, and they provide both audio and video lectures along with a fabulous text of various topics. Some of the topics that I've recently explored are How Ideas Spread by Jonah Berger, Books That Matter, The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire by Leo Demroche, the American West History, Myth, and Legacy by Patrick Allett. Renaissance, The Reform and the Rise of Nations by Andrew Fix. The uh, Irish Identity, Independence, History, and Literature by Mark Connor. And finally, Writing Great Fiction, Storytelling, Tips, and Techniques by James Hines. It's a fascinating way to learn about a wide variety of topics. Both those are within your wheelhouse and those are without. You can check out more at the Great Courses website, which is www.thegreatcourses.com. And now for part two of today's podcast. Hello again, this is Tom Fox. We're back for part two, and I have with me Roy Snell, the CEO of the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics. And Roy and I are going to visit about what uh, we perceive as some of the practical implications of the summer's decision. So, Roy... um, Uh, As I indicated in part one, I went through the legal basis for the Supreme Court's decision, but I was wondering if uh, you might have just some general picture thoughts that we could start with. 
Well, uh, I'm going to be pretty critical, but I want to make it real clear. I am being critical of the law and not the uh, Supreme Court decision, which I uh, completely believe was an accurate interpretation of the law. I have tried to keep, I've also tried to keep this in perspective because this law affects SEC related laws and that's a small percentage of the total federal regulations. However, because this law sends a message to line employees who are not attorneys, they wouldn't know an SEC law from a donut shop because they're scared and uh, concerned. And when they hear you won't get whistleblower protection, they might just follow this advice for any law or think that if it's good for that law, it's good for other laws. And so therefore the overarching uh, concern Uh, that I have is that people will not report issues internally well beyond the the laws that this particular law is is intended to impact. The problem with this law is that it says people will not get whistleblower protection unless they go to the government first. There are uh, many negative side effects, not only to organizations, but the the SEC uh, and, and, and the government as a whole who are trying to encourage organizations to implement effective compliance programs. So that's kind of uh, my uh, overarching general thinking on this. So Roy, I think perhaps the most obvious one is that now employees are not only incentivized to go to the SEC, that's the bounty part, but they are disincentivized to report internally because you can't get any, uh, report internally first, I should say, because you can't get any whistleblower protection. So what do you see really on the disincentives? How do you feel that that's going to hurt the general compliance effort that corporations engage in? Well, uh, to begin with, none other than the uh, federal government has encouraged us in many ways, not the least of which the U.S. Federal Sentencing Guidelines, Chapter 8, they suggest that we should deal with our own problems. So if... Our employees are told you won't get protection unless you go to the government first. We can't deal with our own problems because we're unaware of the problem. And and frankly, I think people are going to be reluctant after, you know, they got to put themselves in the shoes of our people. They're, about to make a phone call to a government enforcement agency and tell them that their company is doing wrong. Any hope that they would come internally after that and say, I think we've got a problem, 
is it, it just negative. It, it, the negative impact is is staggering. One of the key, my last comment on this: the, the key one of the key elements of a compliance program is responding to complaints. This law says you have to go to the government first. An incredible disincentive to go internally. Uh, to get, you have to go to the government first to get whistleblower protection. And uh, frankly, the mere fact that they're saying you have to go to the government first to get whistleblower protection puts the thought in people's head that they need it. Even though there are many, many companies that will respond quickly and effectively to their complaints without retaliation. I understand there are horror stories, but it's not every company. None of this is really feasible now because of uh, this, this law. This interferes with internal reporting in a material way. So do you think, Roy, that this uh, Supreme Court decision impacts the trust factor uh, in, a, in a corporation uh, so much that it will negatively impact the compliance function? Yeah, I, 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 I'll give you another uh, example of what real life is like in a compliance program. And the government, through Chapter 8 of the U.S. Federal Sentencing Guidelines and other things, suggest you have to give people several ways to report. An anonymous methodology, uh, they should feel free to go to their supervisor. If they're uncomfortable with the supervisor or the supervisor's involved, they have to have someone else, such as a compliance officer, a smart company, will have five different ways to uh, give people a chance to report an issue because they're very, very nervous. And HR, any, you know, frankly, any employee should be able to go to any leader and that issue should then be followed up on professionally and appropriately. Uh, and, and I would just add that, that the, the government, you know, whoever wrote this section of the law that the Supreme Court correctly interpreted it, I'm sure, doesn't have an understanding of how many complaints come into the organization that turn out to be a misunderstanding by an employee of the law and or a misunderstanding of the employee about the regulation excuse me, about what the organization is doing relative to the regulation. They're assuming on occasion that, that the company is doing something they're not doing, or they're assuming there's a, a part of the regulation or over-interpreting or something. And what the compliance department does, HR, others quite often, is sit the employee down, show them the regulation, help them understand what it is, or they show them the documents and the process and what the organization is doing. And I am sure tens of thousands of times a year, employees are saying, oh, oh, I see. I didn't understand the law or I didn't understand what we're doing. Thank you for straightening that out. Now this regulation says, mm-hmm, don't do that first. 
first come to the government. And then after you come to the government, you should, they don't make any suggestions, but obviously the person is then in a position to maybe report it to their organization or not. Regardless of whether they go back and report it to their organization, the, the, the SEC has no idea what volume of complaints they're about to engage in. Right now, the only volume they're getting are the issues that the employees couldn't resolve internally first. Now, to get whistleblower protection, they, they have to go to the government first, and their inbox is going to be it's going to grow. It's, it, it's, it's got to be at least tenfold. Now they have tons of noise. And the only way to determine whether the individual is correct about the inter their interpretation of the law or their interpretation of what the organization is doing is to talk to the individual and understand what they think the mistake has been if, if they're wrong, they'll say, well, that's not what the law is, so we're going to let this one go. If the person's interpretation of the law is correct after that phone call, then the SEC has to go investigate the organization to see if they're actually doing what this individual claims. All that in the past, in a majority of the times, was handled by the compliance department. Now it's got to be handled by the SEC and they cannot do it without a thorough investigation. This is going to hurt the SEC's ability to find real problems quickly and, and get on top of it. And, and frankly, I, I just don't think they're going to have the staff to be able to do it. My guess is they're running at full speed now and, and really can't handle any more volume. Uh, I don't know, but, but it's, it's, it's gonna, there's going to be the risk that they can't simply handle all this. So Roy, I guess if we turn it around from the SEC perspective back to the corporation, I see a couple of problems, uh, for corporations that they now back themselves into. One is that, uh, Companies want to correct situations before they become legal violations, certainly. And to do so, one of the mechanisms is employees reporting, uh, getting up to the appropriate person, whether that be the chief compliance officer or other, and then a remediation. And certainly within the compliance profession, prevent, detect, and remediate are three bywords that we all live by. Uh, the second thing is that for the corporation uh, for the employee who reports to the SEC and does not report to the corporation, the corporation now does not know that they have uh, received whistleblower protection. And if they are terminated for some other reason, like a layoff or reduction in force, uh, they could very well uh, inadvertently run afoul of the anti-retaliation protection because uh, basically if you report now, you're protected. So um, I really see this as negatively impacting not only a corporation's ability to fix problems, but also a corporation's ability just uh, for more general business. Any thoughts on those problems? Uh, there's, Tom, there's two great things you're getting at. One I almost forgot about bringing up today, uh, but we'll get to. Uh, but to get directly to your point, 
if an individual reports a problem internally to, and, and, and the issue gets to the compliance officer, a, 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 an effective compliance officer will think of all the people that might retaliate and get to them and say, here's our situation, do not do anything. And maybe, you know, when I was a compliance officer, I, I, I had an individual reported an issue. It, it took us uh, quite a while, as some investigations do, and, and I was able to get back to this individual on a regular basis and say, uh, we're still on it, uh, uh, how's everything? And if they were being mistreated at all, I would hear about it right away and I'd be able to deal with it. Now, with this situation, people go into the government and, they, and, then, and then for whatever reason, they're reluctant to come back to the, the organization. Uh, I'm not able to, as a compliance officer, do some preventative work there. And uh, let me give you an example of even a, a much greater problem that this has created. Uh, if an individual goes to the government and reports an issue and doesn't report it to their organization, and that individual starts showing up two hours late or starts becoming unproductive uh, for some other reason or has a, a legitimate uh, issue and their supervisor is unaware of the, the fact that they cannot re retaliate because they don't know the individuals reported anything and they take what is deemed by any HR professional in the country appropriate disciplinary action on something completely unrelated there is the perception it will be interpreted that that, that action will be used against the organization to say uh, they're retaliating. And uh, people are pretty quick to believe that that concern. Now, if, if the issue is, is known by the compliance officer and that individual has some other issues, they uh, can uh, help in some ways to make sure that that the organization deals with the individual uh, as professionally as possible and avoid uh, retaliation claims. So to summarize real quickly, there's re real retaliation that can be prevented when an, a compliance officer knows there's a situation and a, a report has been issued, prevented the measures they can take. And then there is the, the extra caution one can take if there is a legitimate issue with an individual until the problem is resolved. And it, it's all very tricky and very difficult, but this law absolutely throws a monkey wrench into that whole deal. And, and let me tell you one other thing that you mentioned that I want to really uh, emphasize, Tom, because you, you made a real important point. If someone sees something and they say to the compliance officer, I think this is a problem over there. And the compliance officer goes over to that part of the organization and says, last week you changed your procedures. 
what you do now is against the law. What you were doing before wasn't. Lucky for you, I'm here. Because if you would have continued to do this for another year, there could have been huge fines and penalties and possibly individual charges. Problems can be discovered quickly and acted on quickly with a compliance program. Now contrast that with the idea that a problem isn't reported internally, that it's reported to the SEC and the problem lands in a pile of now and ever increasing size of allegations. It may take them a year to get to that case. It may take them a year to come to a conclusion that is that they would now want to re engage the company with the issue. The problem has rotted for two years. This law defeats some of the absolutely critical elements of, of a compliance program. And again, I'm going to try and stay as reasonable as I can. This is only laws relating to the SEC, a fraction of the federal laws. However, it may cause people to think they should do this for all laws. And it's possible that people report to the government and their organization on the same day and give us a chance. But anybody who thinks this is going to help improve the effectiveness of compliance programs in this country have never run a compliance program in their life and shouldn't be opining on the problems that this creates. Obviously, Tom, I'm not doing a very good job of staying, you know, remaining as reasonable as possible. This, this really may be the worst law ever implemented. Uh, this, has, this has the most negative impact on compliance programs, programs of any law ever implemented that I'm aware of. There, there, there might be other, other things that haven't helped much, but this, this one is really breathtakingly unhelpful. So within the, um, we've talked about the potential negative impact to the Securities and Exchange Commission. We've talked about the potential negative impacts inside of a corporation. Um, one of, uh, in one of the commentaries based upon this uh, court decision, Roy, uh, it suggested that companies would really have to step up and may want to offer bonuses or other recognition to staff who flag problems or uh, have an internal, uh, a robust internal retaliation, uh, anti-retaliation program. Do you see companies being able to take some, some steps, uh, whether they be limited or not, um, to try to re remediate from this decision? I think organization, organizations uh, that are, heavily impacted by SEC laws absolutely uh, should uh, kind of double down on certain aspects of their compliance program uh, 
such as uh, anti-retaliation, uh, re encouraging internal reporting, incentives, as you mentioned, Tom, are 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 tricky, but they're 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 a, 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 a real a real good idea. Uh, I'm chuckling because I've often felt that it's the duty of an employee to report an issue to their organization that they find. Uh, I'm afraid that, uh, you know, in, in some cases, the government expects issues to be reported. There's actually, as you know, mandatory disclosure. Ironically, we cannot mandate the disclosure of problems to a company from an employee uh, without some significant uh, negative Issues and it's frankly possibly against the law, depending on how you interpret this. Um, I just I just find the whole thing frustrating. This, this idea of discouraging or interfering with people reporting issues to their company is is uh, is really problematic. I thought of one more thing I wanted to share, Tom, uh, related to all this, and that is that. Um, We're going from uh, several opportunities to report an issue. You, you, a good company, best practice, feel free to report to HR, a, any leader, the compliance officer, your supervisor. Um, there's a lot of options. And that person who's quite nervous and concerned can pick from those and increase our chances of uh, discovery of the, of, of the problem. Now they're being told you will not get protected, implying you need protection. And, and certainly some people do in some cases, but not all. They're telling everybody or implying to everybody you need protection, you're not gonna get it if you don't call us first. Well, let's throw that, that option in the list. So you got the option without this, this law, you've got the option of HR, uh, the compliance officer, your supervisor, leadership, and these sorts of things, and the government is another place prior to this law being implemented and interpreted the way it has been. And now they're saying to get protection and implying they need it, you got to go to the government first. Now, the world has just gone from saying, including the government, the best practice is given many avenues, including anonymous reporting mechanism, to you call the government uh, before anybody else. Well, that might not be the number one place they feel comfortable going to. And an average soccer mom uh, or hockey dad out there might say, holy cow, I know about this problem, but they're implying I need to go to them first. I think I'm just going to say nothing because I'm not comfortable going to the government. And the problem rots. And instead of the compliance program getting into it, getting to it early and fixing it and doing education and putting in controls to make sure it doesn't happen again, the problem rots. I'm 
really frustrated. So I share your frustration, Roy, and uh, as far as I can tell, after the Supreme Court decision, the only way to to fix this decision is actually to go back and fix the law, which would require our Congress to actually do something. Um, So uh, I think this is something we're going to have to live with uh, for some time to come. So there are some my, things. My, my, Go ahead. My only hope, Tom. I'm sorry to interrupt, but my only hope is is that I'm being pessimistic and that this will negatively impact compliance programs around this country much less than I am thinking. And uh, you're absolutely right. We have an opportunity to fix that sentence or two in the law. But as we all know, uh, not only would that take a long time. But the there may be reasons why people think that that it ought to be left the way it is. And when it comes to whistleblower protection, people don't think through it as to, to the impact of the the compliance program as as folks who run compliance programs do. You know, they're they're. Uh, all they're hearing is that everybody's retaliated against and every company is bad. And, and so every good company that doesn't retaliate and has an effective compliance program is lumped in with all these people and laws are written with the assumption that they're all bad. And, and inadvertently, when you write laws that assume that all companies are bad, you make good companies less effective. It's, we're, it's, you're right. It's going to be a while before this can get fixed. I, I sure hope somebody uh, makes an effort to to get that done. Sorry to interrupt, Tom. So as disconcerting as this decision is, it's uh, the Supreme Court's decision. Uh, we're all going to have to live with it. And I guess what uh, we need to do perhaps uh, is try to figure out a way to, to reemphasize the internal reporting benefits to corporations so that they will more effectively both incentivize and protect their employees who do so. Yeah, I, I, I think you're, I'm still upset about seeing this. Okay. And I'm not, I don't have a real uh, positive attitude right at the moment and, and, and looking at solutions. I'm looking at the problem. You're looking at the solution, Tom, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we can sit around and whine and point fingers, or we can go back and do the best we can to defeat the problems this creates. And so your advice is is excellent. I, I wish I'd thought of it. I'm still focused on, I can't believe they did this. Not the Supreme Court, and, and I want to finish with that thought. I have no doubt the Supreme Court has made an accurate decision. I, 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 uh, as I stated when we began, my concern is with the individual that wrote the paragraph that they're referring to that says, you're right, if you don't report to the government first, this law says you will not get whistleblower protection. That's just mind-boggling. 
Okay, so maybe next time, uh, if 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 I do get you back at Roy, it'll be for uh, something less uh, disconcerting. But uh, <laughs> I've been visiting with Roy Snell. We've been uh, going over some of the, what we see as the practical implications and real effects of the Supreme Court's decision in Summers, and perhaps there's some uh, some hope for uh, internal remediation and, and even for Congress to step in. So, Roy, I'd like to thank you for uh, taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. If you would like more information on the Supreme Court decision in Summers, I hope you'll check out my blog post today where I wrote about it uh, with a copy of, uh, or rather a link to the Supreme Court decision where you can read it and uh, get your own perspective on it. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the longest-running podcast in compliance. This is Tom Fox. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. I hope you'll join me again next week. The FCPA Compliance Report is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.